is our hope? Well, I want to tell you, it's very important that you have some hope. Because you see, you not only have world problems that I've mentioned, but you've got your own personal problem. You've got your own personal pressures. You've got your own personal hell that you're living in right now, and you're looking for a way out and a way of escape. How am I going to get out from under this load I'm carrying? Maybe you're failing in, at the university. Maybe it's a broken love affair. It may be something else. Pressure from your parents. Whatever it may be, maybe your parents are broken up and it's torn you up. And you feel the pressure and you want to run and hide and you want to escape. You've tried the drug route. You've tried the alcohol and it hasn't worked. Well, it's very important that you have hope. If you ever lose your hope, you're finished. Old or young. What oxygen is for the lungs, such as hope for the meaning of human life. And the fate of humanity is dependent, I believe, in its supply of hope. Well, hello, and welcome to Remember God Loves You. And I'll meet you at the finish line. Well, I hope you guys are having an awesome day, because today is a day that the Lord hath made. And we shall rejoice and praise and be glad in it. And God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Well, we made it. It is December 1st, 2023. The last year, or not the last year, but the last month of 2023. And boy, I have to say, I'll say this on my Sauce Report podcast, or not the, I can't call it Sauce Report podcast anymore. The, um, the Echoes of Sauce podcast is never a dull moment. And so... It is definitely uh, interesting, uh, say the least. But I would also like to apologize to you. I know yesterday I was not supposed to. Uh, I was not supposed to like. Apparently, I said remember to keep it saucy. That is on my other podcast, and it was interesting because I remember it, and I'm like, no, I can't believe I said that. I'm like, that's the wrong episode, or not the wrong episode, but that's the wrong show. But you know what? It's okay to mess up here and there. But you know what the interesting part, though, is that through everything, is that God is so good at the end of the day. And I'm definitely blessed uh, to have the financial need, I do, uh, to be not debt-free. And I'm ex very excited about that. But in December 1st of, and speaking of December 1st, we have... 24 days until Christmas, officially. And um, what a great way to start by 2 Timothy 2 through 20, or 2, 2, or 2, verse, chapter 2, verse 24. Let me, <laughs> I got to get that straight. I don't know why I was having a hard time struggling. But it's not quarrelsome. And I think it's a great way to start off a great month of joy and now we officially now we can we officially hit the holiday season until we hit New Year's Eve. And then afterwards it is rubber hits the road, everything is back to normality of life. And I want to give you a quick advice, okay? While it may be the holiday season that might be in full swing, remember do not go over your budget. 
Because part of the finances that God gives you is the ability to use it smart and use it wisely. Of course, tithe unto the church, but make sure you don't put too much on your credit card that you can't pay off when January 1st hits. And then you wonder, oh boy, now I have a bill that is going to be hard to pay off and I spent way too much money than I should have. So another tidbit. But today's verse I absolutely love. The Lord's slave must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach, and patient. So there should be no quarrelsome Christians. The truth of the truth of God is within us. We need never to be intimidated or frustrated by those who do not accept God's truth. At times, people may disagree with you regarding God's word. Perhaps they question the way you say he is leading you, or they, or they may challenge your faith in God. At times like these, it is never helpful to argue. You will never debate any um, you will never debate anyone into the kingdom of God. You will never persuade someone that God has spoken to by ar out-arguing them. Only God can convince others of the veracity of his word to you. If you will allow God to vindicate you in his, in his time, and in his way, a time will come, when the wisdom of your choice will be evident. Luke 7.37 If you find yourself often quarreling with others, you need to ask God to clear, clearly reveal your motives and forgive you for your disobedience to his clear command. If your motivation for arguing comes from your desire to be right or to be exonerated or to gain the, the esteem of those listening to you, you're acting selfishly, and that never goes well when you act selfishly. And God will not honor you. God is not interested in how right you are. He is interested in how obedient you are. God's command is not that you, w you win arguments, but that you are kind and forgiving when others mistreat you. You bring God no honor by winning a dispute in his name, but you reflect a Christ-like character when you demonstrate patience to those who mistrust you or misunderstand your motives. Arguing may never win people to your view, but loving them as Christ does, you will win many friends over time. You know, I have to say, I struggle with that. <clears throat> I do. Because I think, it, to me, it blows my mind. You know, because I think that I have to be right all the time. And I'm thinking that, okay, you know what? It's okay for me not to be right. And I need to accept it. It's a lot harder for us, but once again, it's that pride that gets in the way. And it's interesting because we are in the Christmas season and, you know, there's a lot of festivities, but here's where things can go wrong in your family is when arguments start arising. 
And when you argue faith in your family and your some family members are not Christian, you are going to only put a wedge in your relationship. Instead of arguing with family members, and now I should be taking my own tips and actually applying it to my life, but instead of arguing with other people, trying to win over them by calling them names or my, like, by distancing yourself away, it's okay because you have to live out your life. You have to live like Christ lived. It's okay because if they, if they see you act a certain way, they're going to be more able to be keen and listen to you. If you go and try to argue your way and say, why aren't you a Christian? You're doing all these things. You're judgmental towards them. They're going to look at your life and say, well, have you looked at your life? And I have had people say that actually to me. And it's definitely, it's a reflector looking. I definitely had to ponder on some of the actions I've had. And it's definitely struggle that I face. And so do I need to do a better job of living out my life? A hundred percent. All of us need to actually. And all of us also need to focus on bringing others, bringing the good news to Christ. That's another thing that we, we have to do. And so with this in mind, you know, as we continue in our study as Friday, it is the weekend and it's full swing of Christmas season. There's a certain verse that comes in mind, and that is Luke chapter 10. Because yesterday we read about, um, like, we read about, like, uh, the Samaritans, the woman at the Samaritan, like, the birthing pains and not getting drowned out. But, you know, with Christmas season, it's so important for us not to be distracted by Christmas. Don't let yourself to be drowned out by the, 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 the happiness. And it's okay for us to be drowned out. But Christmas can actually put a bad taste in many people's mouths. Here's how. Because so many people have become, made it too, too much materialistic. Well, materialistic. So we're going to be taking a look at... Uh, the whole chapter Luke chapter 10 because it's actually prevalent to what we were talking about right now. After these things, in verse 1, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, uh, knapsack, or sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wage. Do not go from the house. Um, do not go from house to house. And I need to do a better job about that. <laughs> Whatever city you enter, 
and they receive you, eat such things are as are set before you. And heal the sick there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you whatever city you enter, they do not receive you. Go out into go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for the city. In verse 13, and this is interesting because he's Jesus is bringing up two cities that are going to refuse and say it is better for them to be um, Sodom and Gomorrah. It's better for those to be cities like that. In verse 13, Woe to you, uh, Chorazan. Woe to you, Bathsheba. Or Bathsheba. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at that judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted in heaven, will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you hear me, hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. In verse 17, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I will, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall be means, nothing, sh nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In verse 22, or verse 21, In that hour, Jesus rejoiced the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Verse 23, Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which you see, the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desire, desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and, not, and have not heard it. And in verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up 
and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to them, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But, but he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he sent him on his, on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said to them, He who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Now, that is a lot that we read. I'm not going to lie. That is a lot of reading. And it's good reading, actually. And what I like to do when I read, and you're probably wondering, okay, Sasson, how does reading the whole chapter of Luke chapter 10 relate to our life? You have to kind of get the back connotation. You have to get the backstory before you actually read the verse itself. Before you have to read Luke chapter 10, 41 and 42, you have to get what you have to get, read the buildup. I like the reading of the buildup because I'm a backstory person. If something happens, I need to know what happens. But it's interesting because what, like what we talked about overspending, <clears throat> you and I, uh, whether you like it or not, love to overcrowd our lives. We overbook, overspend, overestimate, and we often walk around tired all the time. And Christmas time is no jokes, no joke about it. It is a tiring holiday, especially if you have to host. And if you have a really big family, it can be a drag. It, it can be. And it's interesting because as a result, God's truth us often doesn't go or doesn't get the chance to blossom in our lives during Christmas time. Too often, God teaches you um, to a kernel of truth, maybe through your morning Bible study or, or a Sunday sermon. And you think you need to do something about it, but almost immediately is crowded out of your life and forgotten. The truth isn't crowded out of your life because of evil. 
Often good things in our lives crowd out the truth that God wants to plant in us. To fulfill God's destiny for your life, you likely don't have to do more. You have to do less. Take Jesus's, and take Jesus's friends, Mary and Martha, for example. One day they invited Jesus over for dinner. Mary spent her evening listening to Jesus. Martha, on the other hand, was busy being a hostess and worrying about the whores and orders, and whether everything was in whether whether everything was on point, and making sure that every other guest was taken care of. But it's interesting because Martha missed a major point and missed a major lesson because Jesus humbled himself to the point where he washed Mary's feet with his own hair. And Martha got upset that she had to go all the that she had to do all the work while her sister got to sit with Jesus. And that's when and that's when Jesus said to her, "Dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her." So when your life is over, only one thing will really matter. Did you get to know the Son of God? The extra Christmas present you were able to buy because of your long hours at the office won't matter. Or taking a Sunday, thinking that you have to leave Sunday right after the sermon, say, oh, Pastor, I'm too busy. I have to go get this gift right away. It's about two hours away. It is. I have to um, make my son happy. While that pastor was going to invite you to a Bible study, and you missed that opportunity. And all the time you spent preparing the perfect holiday meal won't matter either. But whether you spent your time getting to know Jesus will matter for ages and ages to come. So enjoy the Christmas season. Wrap the presents. Go caroling out with your, um, with your family and just have a great time. But prepare your home and, and prepare your home in a festive way. Go on decorating. But make memories with your family. But don't let this Christmas pass without spending some time at Jesus' feet. Long after everything else fades from this Christmas, worshiping Jesus is all that will truly last. Amen and amen. And now that, but worshiping Jesus will last beyond this Christmas season. And worshiping Jesus will give you the energy and the hope that you need, that we all need in our lives. And so with this in mind, we're going to end it with a word of prayer. Dear Holy Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you that we can just come here, Lord, in our busyness of life, and we can spend more time with you. We don't allow Christmas to bombard our hearts. We don't allow the festivities and we don't allow the meal preparedness to overcrowd and to consume too much of our time because it's so important to focus on upon you and make time for you, Lord, because you are an awesome God. May you guide us and protect us as we continue on the path that you have set before us so that when new crowds have finished on, Lord, we can run into your arms and we can hear you say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
and amen. Well, with this in mind, guys, I hope you have a blessed day. Happy Friday. And remember, God loves you. And I'll meet you at the finish line. Bye. The sparrows not worried about tomorrow. Oh, the troubles to come. The lilies not thinking about the seasons. The drought or the flood. The tree that's planted by the water isn't phased by the fire. So why should I be? Cause you take good